Welcome to a Revival House Sermon, where we champion you to become the unveiling of Jesus to this world. We've been studying in Ephesians, and I've been reading it in the Passion Translation, following along. And like uh, Desiree mentioned, last week I was talking in Ephesians 2 of, kind of in the middle of Ephesians 2, we were talking about God's grace and that how we're empowered with God's grace to fulfill our destinies. And that before the foundations of the earth, God laid your destiny and your purpose. And, and, I, and he says that we will be the display of the treasures of his grace. And grace is the, not just undeserved favor, but it is also empowerment to do that which you could not previously do. You, you couldn't save yourself, so God, through God's grace, you were saved. And also, when you walk out in your grace, people have equated it to, the word is charis, uh, charis or charis, and it means empowerment. And so it is when he planned your destiny, he planned for you to rely on grace every step of the way. And the statement I made is, if you can do it in your own strength, then it's not in your destiny. Because your destiny always involves relying on the grace of God. And so it's kind of what we talked about in Ephesians and and, and we'll be continuing in two and probably into three because it all just is one giant thought. But I want to just tell you that Paul, when he was writing in Ephesians, it, it is a journey, right? Probably from what you've already seen of being here is that we're on a journey going through Ephesians and the different perspectives and different ideas that Paul is putting forth is he is actually bringing us to something. He is on a journey. And as I said before, Ephesians can be best understood in the terms of sit, walk, and stand. The first part is that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, and then we walk out our position, and then we stand strong in that. And Ephesians can be understood as sit, walk, stand. So, what I want to do is, as I was going through and and reading this over and over and over this week and asking the Lord, what are you saying to us? I, I saw something that I just, it, it just grabbed me and I went, oh my gosh, that is amazing, that reality. But there's all of this other stuff that's leading up to it and I was asking him and I was saying, man, how do I get to that point? And you know, I usually do this and how's that work? And he says, just preach it backwards. <laughs> he says, if you preach it backwards, then they'll get it. Okay, so if, so if it seems backwards what I'm saying, just, just pretend you got dyslexia and it all makes sense. But I, I kind of want to briefly take you on the journey of up to this point because it all works together. Is that Paul begins 
you know, he, he introduces himself, and then he starts out with his incredible just explosion of all the treasures that we've been given and all the treasures that we have in the heavenly realm. And, and, he, and he goes through that we're seated in heavenly places and we're uh, seated in Christ Jesus and we've been given all of the treasures of his blood and all of the blessings in the heavenly realm has been given unto us. And then he's telling all these things and he goes, man, I got to pray to make sure you get this. So he says, I pray that you get the spirit of wisdom and revelation because this is amazing. And there's all of this power that he wants you to experience. And he tells us how if, you, if, you, if God actually will take your imagination and illuminate it, it's, a lot of times it's the, 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 the thoughts of our heart, but the real word is imagination. He says if you'll get an imagination, if Lord fills your imagination with light, you will actually begin to imagine the impossible and to live in his realities. And from that comes faith, and then in faith you access power. And he takes us on this journey, and then uh, last week we talked about how uh, we are co-seated with Christ, and that we will be the visible display of this infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus. And then we have become his poetry to the world, in verse 10. And what I want to do is I may read some of this and then go back over it. This is what we'll do. I'm going to read. It's all just so much one thought, so I kind of have to cover all of it. I'm going to start in chapter 2, verse 11. And I'm going to read all the way to 3, probably 13. Chapters weren't there before, they were put there for us. But in reality, it's all one thought. And I'll be reading in the Passion. But chapter 1, verse 11. And Paul says, So don't forget that you were not born as Jews and were uncircumcised. Circumcision in itself is a work of man's hands. You had none of the Jewish covenants and laws. You were foreigners to Israel's incredible heritage. You were without the covenants and prophetic promises of the Messiah, the promised hope, and without God. Yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, you have now been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Jesus. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ by dying as our sacrifice. He has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. This legal the legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews fused together. Two have now become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, to the ones who are distant and those who are near. And now... Because we are united to Christ, 
we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones, with all of the rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing until his, under his supervision until it rises up complete as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Beloved friends, because my love for Jesus Christ, I am now his prisoner for the sake of all of you who are not Jews, so that you will hear the gospel that God entrusted me to share with you. For this wonderful mystery, which I briefly described, was given to me by divine revelation, so that whenever you read it, you'll be able to understand my revelation and insight into the secret mystery of the Messiah. There has never been a generation that has been given the detailed understanding of this glorious and divine mystery until now. He has kept it a secret until this generation. God is revealing it only now to his sacred apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. Here's the secret. The gospel of grace has made you non-Jewish believers into co-heirs of his promise through your union with him. And now you have become members of his body, one with the anointed one. I have been made a messenger of this wonderful news by the gift of grace that works through me. Even though I am the least significant of all his holy believers, this grace gift was imparted when the manifestation of his power came upon me. Grace only empowers me so that I can boldly preach this wonderful message to non-Jewish people, sharing with them the un fading, inexhaustible riches of Christ, which are beyond comprehension. My passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. It was hidden for ages, for, for hidden for ages past until now, and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic order in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed to the church. This perfectly wise plan was destined for eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ, so that now we have boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. And I'm going to stop there at verse 12. Woo, you can all take a breather. I know you weren't breathing when you were reading that. And your brains may be like, okay. But I wanted to read all of that for the purpose of, as I was sitting here this week, reading over this over and over and over and many different times, and I, I couldn't help myself to go, this feels like one poetic picture being built for us. And, yet, and there's little segments and little things that we can pull out and see. But I, I see one picture that even from chapter one, Paul is taking us. He's going, I'm, I'm painting a picture. I'm painting a picture. And each different turn he takes, it's like 
a different facet is being revealed. Does that make sense? And so why I said I have to preach this backwards is I did read it to you in a linear form. If I read that backwards, it would be really weird. But what I want to say is, if you'll go to uh, verse 9 of chapter 3, is why I have to tell you it backwards. I'm gonna, you're going to like, no, don't skip all that stuff. It's okay. We're going to go back. We're going to find it. But in verse 9, he says, It is my passion to enlighten every person to the divine mystery that was hidden for ages, past until now, and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. Verse 10, the purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through who? The church. This was his perfectly wise plan, destined for eternal ages. Why don't you just take a moment? There's lots of verses around that. You could keep reading. There's things before, but take a moment and listen to that. Listen to that. Really, I have each word circled in a different way. You know, and he says, the purpose of this. Well, what's that purpose? The purpose of what? Why has it been held secret for so long that generations... Think about this. What he's saying is, you know, the prophets that spoke for God had heavenly visitations. You think about Ezekiel, you think about Daniel, you think about these people, the prophets and the, and the saints of old, they didn't even get this. This was not revealed to them. They didn't know, they didn't see this coming. They knew there was a Messiah coming. They knew that he was going to bring, and yes, they knew that all nations were going to come together. They, they saw glimpses of that, and they go, yeah, and they, maybe they didn't know exactly how it was going to work out, but this had been hidden for thousands of years for over 40 generations since Abraham they didn't see this this for the and he says the purpose of this hiding it for generations so that means he had a plan way back and we'll kind of unravel that some more was to unveil to to pull the curtains back Something had bitten behind these curtains for many, many years that none of the prophets, none of the people, none of the saints, none of the apostles, none of them had seen. And he says, now it's your job. You are going to pull back the curtain on the mystery of salvation. And, and you may be going, oh yeah, we've got to show the whole world. Yes, we're going to display we are going to be the the manifestation of his grace to this world but he's saying here which is just wild paul is crazy <laughs> before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm god's full wisdom his full diverse wisdom revealed excuse me, revealed through the church. So you may just be sitting here going, oh, you know, what? now let me just take a, a, a small snippet of your life. Uh, I'm not saying it's, I'm not re relegating it to this only one time, but let's just take a small snippet of your life. When you come in here and we're worshiping or, or we're praying or whatever it is, the activity that God has us in, when you come in here, 
I've, I, somebody said it, and I like it, so I'm stealing it. I don't remember her. But he said, you step into the university of the angels. Did you know angels want to come check in on what we're doing because we're revealing the mystery of the wisdom of God to them? That blows my mind. I was reading that, and, I'm go- and I've been thinking about this all week. I've been going, that is just crazy. You know, we like our pictures of angels with their cute little halos and their nice fiery swords, and we like this stuff. We go, oh, angels, oh my gosh, it's so cool. But in reality, I'm like, these people, or these people, these beings, whatever, angels, let's not get into that. It's kind of crazy. But these beings, they're before the throne of God, and they, they enter his presence, and yet they go, hey, let's go down. Okay, I'm going to use creative license. Bear with me. This is not in the Bible. But hey, let's go down and see what the children of God are revealing today. And they actually come in and, oh my gosh, look at this. These people were enemies of God not too long ago, especially for them because they're not really bound by time. It's really a short period of time. They're going, oh my Lord, these people were enemies of God. They, they, they blasphemed him. They sinned against him. They were wretched. They were on the road to destruction. And now look at them. They have the authority of our king in them. So the one that we serve is inside of them. And now look at them. They're, they're, they're enthroned. They're empowered. And they are living in grace Did you know angels don't know what grace is? Angels can't live in in grace. That was given for us through Jesus. It was the grace of God that Jesus made available to us. So they're sitting there going, guys, there's this supernatural, we talked about it last week, there's this supernatural ability to overcome this supernatural ability to live out their destinies, this, this grace of God, this power that we can't experience, but we can see it in them, and they live in it every day. Some of them use it more than others. <laughs> that Anthony guy, he, he, he done a lot. No, but anyways, I'm just kidding. But, you know, they go, look at these beings now. That they're, and not only that, they're watching us living out our grace. They're watching us come together. But now they're going, oh my gosh, they're creating a body. They're creating a body when they all come together. Look at them. They're, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. That's the body of Jesus coming together when they all get together. They all use their different parts and they all function in their supernatural grace. And then we somehow <laughs> are revealing the wisdom of God. To the angels. That wisdom is the same. Uh, it's kind of, you know, how language is when, in the Greek and stuff like that. It, that wisdom means multifaceted, multicolored. Um, somebody once equated it to the same wording as uh, Joseph's uh, coat of many colors. There's like a, there's a callback to the Old Testament in the wording of this word. And they're like, it's literally like many colors, many facets. That's the wisdom of God. Is that it's not just, oh, there's wisdom, boom, you got it. 
run with it. It's that there's, there's, many, there's many facets, many colors, many things. And so you and your different giftings and your different workings and your different understandings, you were revealing the many different manifold colors of the wisdom of God. And the angels are learning from us. But think about this. It doesn't actually, I'm going to take it farther, it doesn't say angels. It puts everything in the spiritual realm. So you know what that means? The purpose of this to unveil throne in angelic order in the heavenly realm. Now, yes, it says heavenly realm, but even in, if you look in the New King James or whatever, it doesn't uh, later on in Ephesians, you know, Paul uses the word angels and demons. He uses different things. But in this, it's an overreaching, any principality, any kind of power, anything in the spiritual realm, we're revealing it. So that means you're also blowing the minds of all the demons. <laughs> so again, you can imagine the angels are going, whoa, look at these guys living it out. That is amazing. Like, this is what God has planned since he birthed the world? Like, when he, before he even created the world, this was his plan. And it's happening before our eyes. Because it says before the foundation of the earth, this was happening. And the demons are like, oh, dude, we messed up. (laughs) Because they are going, he did it. He made it, and not only are they going, man, we messed up 2,000 years ago when Jesus came back. They're going, oh, whoa, that's the wisdom of God manifested to us through the church, the body of Christ. So I, I read this, and I go, there's so much more to what we do than maybe just the the things that we think about we've got our programs we've got our bible studies we've got our you know things and i know the greatest thing ever is salvation but isn't it interesting that one of god's plans he's going my plan is that my desire is everyone would be saved right the whole world but one of my plans for the church is i'm going to show all of the spiritual realm my wisdom See, you're going to display the grace and the power and you are, as Jesus is in heaven, so you are on earth, right? That's what it says. So you are to manifest Jesus to this world around you and you are the display of the riches of the grace of God and you have all of the heavenly blessings already given to you. But the church, one of our things is when we all come together as the body and we come into our right and our standing, we also are bringing God glory in the spiritual realm to all the other beings because we're revealing his wisdom through us, through our actions, through us coming together. And like I said, that's just a snippet, right? That's not, that's not just happening when you come into a building and sing songs, right? Because as the body, when you go out on Monday through Saturday, you're still the church. You're still part of the body. And so through your life, every single day, you are unveiling the grace and the wisdom of God to the whole spiritual realm, and to the physical world. 
right? So like I said, that's just a snippet. Don't, don't, don't just don't over-glorify the little time that we spend together. It's your whole life. It's all for Jesus. So maybe I'm the only one that's absolutely blown away by this. But, but I, as, so I said I have to preach this backwards because now we see that if we went back to everything I just read, and really we went back through everything that Paul was talking about, is that he comes to this point and he's telling us that we're, you know, co-seated with Christ and that, that we are going to be uh, the visible display of his grace. And then he tells them, he says, guys, don't forget, and he's talking to Gentiles, he says, don't forget that you guys, you didn't have any of the covenant promises. You didn't have what Israel had. You didn't have these things. You were lost. You didn't even have God. He's like, don't forget that. Don't forget where you came from, Right? Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where God took you from. And don't belittle them. But think about how far you have come now. And he says, you've been united with Christ. That's important. That's really important because he's about, because what he's about to tell us about what the church is going to do, we needed to know this part. He's saying, you've been united with Christ. You see, before that, through the Old Testament, Old Covenant, and all that, it was a relational dynamic of when you follow these rules, then I can relate to you. And, you, and, and, and then even the people themselves, the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, you know, they were the most separated people from all the other cultures. And this, these people had the cultural dynamic of being so separated. And yet now, Paul, like he said, this was a revelation given to me. And he says, you need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to get what I'm telling you. But he's saying, guys, you haven't just been justified so that you are no longer guilty, but you've been brought into union with Jesus. You say, we say, oh, yeah, we're united with Jesus. Yeah. But think about this. You know, studies have shown that when we use a certain word over and over and over and over, it actually begins to fade in reality to us. Like it stops having an impact. And we use, oh, we're united with Christ or we're in Christ and all that stuff. And it's good and it's powerful. But we've heard it so much. But for them, imagine you're the very first time hearing this. And, and you are sitting here going, how does this work now that I can be saved and Jews can be saved? And, 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 and do I have to follow this? All that stuff. You can imagine what it was like during Paul's time. And then he says, guys, don't forget where you came from and you've been brought in. And he says, but guess what? I've... Jesus has revealed to me that you are married to him now. You're, you are one with him now. You are in with him now. You, when you take communion, you're taking the blood of Jesus, and they knew that life was in the blood. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in him, and he's in me, and we've been united, and we're married, basically. That's crazy. The relational dynamic of me just following rules so you're kind of pleased is gone that you are actually in him. And so they're going, whoa. And he's going, dude, you're in the heavenly realm now. You're seated in the heavenly realm. You've been given the authority of Jesus to reign and co-rule with him. And, and he says, so you take Jews and you take Gentile and you take all these people and he's now made one new man. So you may be going, oh, wow, I'm in Christ. Yeah, but not only are you in Christ with him, you're both in Christ together, 
so you're one. He says he has taken, so he says now, because you're all in Jesus, he doesn't see Jew, he doesn't see Gentile, he also says in another place, he doesn't even see male or female. <gasps> Paul, shut your mouth. Because, and he says that in verse um, 15, you know, he has forming us into one new race of humanity, or in yours might say one new man, or whatever it is, that this was the plan of God, of I'm going to create one new people group, one new man, one new being in me. And you can imagine for that period of time when Paul, when Jesus was there and when Paul was writing this, oh my Lord, the, what, they had, what they had gotten into was women had no rights, they had no voice, they weren't even really trusted. Uh, one early uh, rabbi said, I would rather burn the Torah than read it to a woman, right? And, uh, and then let alone the great divide between Jew and Gentile. And then Paul comes along and he's saying, guys, you guys were looking for a new nation. You were looking for a king, but I have stepped into the heavenly realm and seen the realities of God, of what the riches of the blood of Jesus was for. And now there's no Jew. There's no Gentile. He only sees Jesus when he looks at you. There's not even male or female anymore. So you can imagine them reading it for the first time. For us, we're like, oh, man, I love Ephesians. <laughs> this is such a great book. For them, they're going, wait, what do we do? If, if, if there's no Jew and there's no Gentile, and then we've heard in this other letter he wrote that there's no male or female, like, how do we, how do we, how do we function now? He basically ruined their cultural understanding and their, their mindsets and everything. Essentially, what Paul is doing is what an apostle is supposed to do is that he brought in the kingdom of God into their life and it wrecked it, basically. And the same way with us is that we have our, our, our cultural traditions, we have our ways of life, you know, we have the things set up in our society. It's just the way it is. But then Paul's going, no, you're not integrating Jesus into your way of life. I'm bringing the kingdom and you can either shift and fit it or not. And he's saying, you're one new race now. And we are able to, and it says in, in 18, and now because we are united to Christ, we have both been equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. You have the ability to come before Father God. Whoa. I mean, you've read it before, but let it sink in that you have that ability. You're not, he's not billions of miles away that you can't reach him. It says the kingdom is at hand. So grab hold of it. And you can, through the Holy Spirit now, we can come before the Father. That's wild. You need to have a relationship with Father God. You need to have a relationship with Holy Spirit. And you need to have a relationship with Jesus. Because right there, he's going, man, this is what Jesus did, and he's your Messiah, and, and you've been united to him, but oh, you've got to have a relationship with Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit brings you into the Father relationship. It's important. And so, he then goes, in this journey, he then goes, guys, you're, you're in Christ, and now, there's no Jew and Gentile, right? We're, he's just, he's basically closing it down as 
far as he can to bring you as close and as unified as possible as you can get because he's going, there's no differences, there's no differences, there's no differences. And in, in 21 through 22, he says, dude, he didn't say dude, I said dude, but I bet Paul said dude. Whatever that is in Greek, I'm sure they just didn't translate it that way. <laughs> he says, dude, this entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. And he's, this means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the Holy Spirit. So God, when Jesus died, he ripped the veil and he said, you can come into my presence. And then about 60 years later, he goes, you know what? I'm so done with separation from my people that I'm going to rip this temple to the ground and I'm not going to leave a single stone on top of another because never again will I have separation between my people. Because he says, I gave them a good format and I showed them what it's going to look like when I build it with them. Because you are living stones of the temple. You know, it's, your body is the temple of God and when we come together, we are each a stone that we are building up the temple again on this earth and the foundation you know it talks about a little bit earlier before that it says the foundation was laid by the apostles and prophets it didn't say that the foundation is the apostles and the prophets it just says that they laid the foundation of Jesus and that you are directly connected to the cornerstone now, let me possibly offend you. <laughs> I say this in the most gentle way. But a lot of people believe, and I, I, I believed it before, but now I'm pretty doubtful of it, of people go, well, there's going to be a third temple built because the Bible says so. And the question is, that I, I can't get past either, is are you going to sew up the veil? I'm just saying. I don't know. But the reality is this, is that if God said, I'm ripping this temple down, and I'm not leaving a single block on top of another because I'm going to build it with my people. And if he tore the veil, and if you were to rebuild a physical temple, are you going to make the Holy of Holies? Are you going to have three rooms or two? Are you going to have three rooms and are you going to have the Holy of Holies with the veil separating you from the presence of God? Or in reality is the temple got torn down and Paul went, oh my Lord, he doesn't need the physical temple anymore. He's building it with us. And he says so right here, you guys are the temple. Your body's the temple and you're the stones of the temple. And you know what? The temple's not built. The temple is being built. Did you catch that? It says the entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision. Jesus is the cornerstone and the head of the church. And when we come together, each time a new believer comes in, here's a new stone in the wall of the temple that's revealing the glory of God to this world. I would, I, would, I would propose to you 
that when that temple is complete, that's when the end of the age is. Because he says there has to be, all, all the Gentiles have to come in and the Jews have to be saved. The temple has to be finished. It's being built right now. That's when the end of the age is, is when the temple is finished because he's going to dwell in it. It's you and me. So, all of that to say, so you know, I, I'm telling you, I'm going backwards here. And then in chapter 3 comes around, and Paul begins to talk about the mystery throughout the generations. And so, he goes on and he said, I'm going to paraphrase, we, we read it, and you can go back over it later. Is that, you know, Paul says, this is what's funny, too. Let's take a little side note. He says, beloved friends, because, because of the love for Jesus Christ, I am now a prisoner for the sake of, uh, I am now his prisoner for the sake of all who are not Jews. He did not say, I'm a prisoner of the Romans, because right now he was actually in chains as a prisoner. And I love, I love Paul's perspective. The little side note is, Paul is literally in chains in a Roman prison, right to the Ephesians, and instead of saying, guys, I'm in prison, you know, because I love Jesus, he goes, nah, I'm not a prisoner. I let them keep me here, you know. <laughs> Angels could walk me out of here right now if he wanted to. I'm a prisoner of Jesus. And I read that, and I was like, man, I have got to change. <laughs> You just read anything about Paul and you just go, I am pitiful. <laughs> I've got to change. He's sitting there locked up in chains. He wants to be out there preaching and goes, it's okay. I'm a prisoner for Jesus. I'm in chains with him. I'm a prisoner to love. He says these, he makes these statements. He never goes, oh, I'm a prisoner to the Romans. Because he goes, no, I'm free in Christ. And I go, what an overcomer's mindset. What a powerful mindset that he goes, even if I'm really in chains, I'm not. I'm the most free person here. And I truly believe that is why Paul had such an impact even when he was in prison. It's because everybody going, dude, you're in prison and you don't look like it. <laughs> you don't even act like it. That's kind of a side note. But as I'll bring it in kind of a close here, he says all of this. He goes, guys, look at where you've come from. Look at where you've been brought into the, uh, to Jesus. Look into what you're being built into. And look at that nobody before us had gotten this. He tells them, guys, for generations, for generations, nobody has seen this. This has been kept a secret. When God laid the earth, he goes, I'm going to do this thing. And he goes, for generations, and here's the secret. There's going to be no more separation, no more uh, cultural divide, no more all this stuff. He's going to make the body of Christ, and they are going to reveal the grace and the power of Jesus to this world, and they are going to reveal the wisdom of God to the heavenly realm. That's God's plan that he kept secret. And now you get to fulfill it. So, I want you to think about that for a second. Rewind for a little bit. When Jesus 
was planning your destiny and your purpose before he created the earth, his plan was, I'm going to create a humanity of people and they're going to be fully empowered with my power and my authority and with my love. Because when we read on later, he talks about by walking in your faith and your love, you'll be empowered in Jesus. But he says, I'm going to take these, I'm going to create a people and there's going to be no cultural divides. There's going to be no ethnic divides. There's going to be no gender differences. There's going to be no inequality. There's going to be all these people. They're going to be one in me. And I'm going to, because I'm so wise, because I'm so powerful, because I'm so generous, and because I'm God, he says, the, even the spiritual realm, even the demons, even the angels, they don't see it as much because they can't. And I'm not going to tell them the little secret I'm putting in humanity. You know, the angels didn't get it. The demons didn't know this either. He says, I'm going to put a little secret in their destinies. And I'm going to put a little secret. And I'm not going to tell anybody for a long time until I make a way for it to happen. And that was that he says, and the little secret is, that they are going to be the revelation of who I am to the physical and to the spiritual. And so you can imagine the surprise of the spiritual realm when suddenly Jesus rises from the grave and, the, and he comes back with his victory uh, army and they're going, oh, I thought he was just saving these people, but instead he's empowering these people to reveal his power and wisdom to us. Talk about shaking the spiritual realm. They didn't just lose the earth. They lost the heavens. And that was the secret of God that he hid from everybody until it was too late. He's like, I'm not going to tell anybody because they can't mess it up if they don't know. (laughs) So all of that to say that I, I've, uh, I've researched and read and, and, and tried to find somebody who knew something more and nobody does <laughs> on this verse because I'm going, man, if this is what the church is supposed to be doing, there's, we need to have a dual-minded mindset. Of we need to understand the physical realm of, of obviously we, to spread the gospel of truth, to be the manifestation of Jesus, of his life and his love. But then also we are, by walking in the power of Jesus and communing with him, we are revealing his wisdom to the heavenly realm. That's beautiful. That's amazing. So... Don't relegate what you were created to do to what man thinks you should do. Let me summarize just a little bit. You see, Paul is saying uh, through Ephesians, sit, walk, stand. Through one, two, and three, as we see here, he's just telling you of where you're seated right now. He's just, he says, you can't figure out how to walk this out 
until you know exactly where you're seated. You can try to walk some sort of walk, he says, but until you know where you're coming from, you can't ever get it right. And so he's saying, sit, walk, and stand. You're, and he, it begins with, man, every heavenly blessing's been given to you. You've been seated in the heavenly realm. You're one in Christ. You're uh, co-seated with Christ. He is in you. And so he's getting you to understand you are seated with such power and authority. You've been given all that you need for life and godliness. You've been given all of these things. He's saying, this is where you're seated. And he says, where you're seated and your purpose is, is that you would reveal the grace of God to everyone around you. You would live in the impossible because the impossible is in your destiny. If it's not impossible, then you don't need God. And God wants to be part of every part of your life. And so when you walk in that, you become the manifestation of his grace and his power and of the person of Jesus. And when you come together as a body and as the church, you reveal together all in your own workings the magnitude and the, the different faceted glorious colors of God's wisdom to the spiritual realm. He says that's where you're seated. And so he's telling all of this, all of this is getting us to understand. And so you're just getting overloaded. Oh my Lord, I have all of this and I do all of this. Oh. And he goes, okay, cool. Now you know what you're supposed to be doing. And we'll see as we continue in this study. He says, now let me teach you how to walk it. Because it's, whoa, yeah. Because it's easy to recite Bible verses and go, yeah, I'm seated in Christ and all that stuff. And then that first annoying person hits you on Monday and, oh, take it. Yeah. Jesus loves you. You know, it's like, it's easy to say we're seated in a place. But he's saying, let me tell you that I can show you exactly where you're seated. So I give you the trajectory of where you're going. And then I'll help you walk it out. And once you've learned to walk that out, you have to stand in your strength in that. And so, that is one of the many, many, many things that Paul has seen in Revelation. And he's saying, this is a special revelation given to me. And unless you have the spirit of revelation and wisdom to understand this, this isn't going to make sense to you. <laughs> Most of it doesn't make sense to me. It's out of this world, literally. <laughs> And so all of that to say that, again, if you haven't gotten this from our other studies, or if you, obviously if you haven't been here, but every step of the way goes, man, this book is about my position meeting my condition. As I know that I'm seated in heavenly realms, I know that I'm placed in this, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Now my, my, my condition, the way I live my life, the way I do things, it has to meet that. Your condition has to come in alignment with the kingdom. I'm not going to try to push the kingdom into my box. I have to shape myself to the kingdom. If he has to cut some things off, then he cuts some things off. It's kind of like, you know, God, I'll give you 20 minutes in the morning and you better talk to me and do everything you're supposed to do in those 20 minutes because every other minute is full. <laughs> or God... 
any minute of any day of any time, it's yours. Whenever you want it, you can have it. However you want it, you can have it. If I need to change some minutes up, I can change them. I said, I have to shape myself to the kingdom that I've already been placed in. Paul is basically saying, guys, you're kings. Now live like it. (laughs) He's calling you up. The word says that we go glory unto glory. And I truly feel as if Paul is saying, come on up a little higher. Because you've been given so much more. Well, let me just pray with you. Finish this out. Because I want you to have this. And I believe the beauty of us coming together is that we get to reveal Jesus to the physical and to the non-physical. So let's just pray, and then maybe we'll close with something. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Wow. Thank you for your word. We love it so very, very much. God, thank you that it's living and active and not just dead and repetitive. God, thank you that you have given us the ability to glimpse the mysteries of the ages. And Lord, you loved us so very much. I just pray that you would activate the love that you've already lavished upon us and that you would activate us in our calling. Lord, we're all in different stages and we're all in different positions that you got us on this journey, but I pray that you would take us deeper. I pray that you would empower us with your grace to walk out the destinies that we have that we would not live in fear, that we would not live in doubt, that we would not second-guess ourselves, or that we would not put your kingdom in a box, but that we would say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and in my life. If anything I need to change of the way I do life, if anything I'm accepting is my cultural ways I've just done things, God, I'm ready to change them. God, let, I want to become the revelation of you to this world. And so, Lord, I know that it's through your love that you change us and you fill us. This is not our own works. This is not our own performance, but is the expression of love. So, Lord, I pray that you would just activate love inside of us now. And that as we go out through the week, that you would begin to bring us into your realm. And that we would walk in that and live in that. Thank you, Jesus. I just bless everyone right now. I just release a special grace and empowerment this week that doors would be opened, that realities would be new, that favor would be upon your life, that you would have angelic visitations, dreams and visions, and the Holy Spirit communion within you. Thank you so much, Jesus, for this. Oh, we love you so much. We love you so much. Name of Jesus, you say amen.